0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49 Week Challenge reading plan. And as
1: usual, if you have questions, feel free to send them in. You can do that either through infogrove.church, shoot us an email, or you can jump on our Facebook page and direct message us at the Grove Church. Real Grove Church in Washington State. We have two campuses in Marysville and Snohomish, so you can give us a thumbs up if you want. But you can also just direct message our Facebook page there with all the questions you have. There
0: you go. Uh, this week, we're doing another Q&A episode, uh, specifically because I was on vacation. So we're recording this before I'm going on vacation. Um, but yeah, so you
1: kind of stuttered. You didn't know what yeah, to say. I don't want to lie to you. I was gone on vacation or I am back from,
0: like, yeah. I don't want to lie to you, the beloved, me, the beloved so. listener. Um, so right now I have not been on vacation. But when you hear this episode, I will be driving back from Yellowstone with my wife. So that'll be really fun. Um, And if you're thinking to yourself, Evan, you just took a vacation last month. Why are you taking it? I know. Here's the deal. Because from March to (laughs) August, there was no vacation because we were trying to figure out all this COVID stuff. So now that we've settled down a little bit more. Um, listen bro I had a baby my wife
1: had a baby in the middle of
0: COVID we bought a house in the middle of COVID and we took weeks off the the podcast for you
1: not for for those things
0: for the baby didn't we I
1: thought we did Mm, I think we took one maybe that's because my baby came out of
0: nowhere yeah that's fair but such is our dedication to you beloved listener that we that we are recording this this Q&A episode uh, to make sure that we still get some content out there uh, this week. So we're gonna start calling you guys our beloved, the beloved listeners. Um, Anyway, so just to stop being weird and just to jump into it too late.
1: You've already crossed that threshold. We can't go back now.
0: Uh, Our first question is this. um, And we actually got a huge batch of questions. So I love that they started off with I'm trying to make sure you're stocked up with questions. So thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Um, Thank you, beloved listener. So in in First Corinthians fourteen, what is the meaning of prophecy in this passage? At the start, I thought it was uh, talking about God, but then in verse twenty-two, it says, "Isn't it isn't for unbelievers?" But isn't talking about God for everyone? Nope, just for me. All right, so you have to have a podcast to talk about God. There you go. Sorry, sarcasm. Uh, so to kind of t- read a little bit of the chapter that we're talking about. So 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to uh, not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? All right. So it's a deep passage. It is for really deep. six verses. I need to look up verse 22 too, because I just realized I didn't include that one in the notes. Wow, so I'll find a spot when you start talking to, to go look that up as well. But uh, here's kind of the basic idea in, in the Bible, we see two types of prophecy. Um, we see the declaration of God's word and, and new revelation is kind of the two things. So to put those into context, when we say the declaration of God's word, we see the prophets in the old Testament and the new Testament um coming forth and basically say like you know repent uh turn your hearts towards god isaiah does it john the baptist does it it's a it's a it's a prophetic ministry um to call people to obedience of god's word the other type of prophecy and this is the one that's probably people mean most of the time when they talk about it because it's kind of uh prophecy is the word that's unique to it but this idea of new revelation that god is giving um and so this would be all the way from like new um it can also be God revealing the future in some way, like we see in Daniel, where he talks with Nebuchadnezzar about the uh, the yeah. statues and stuff like that. Um, Jesus obviously prophesies a lot. Um, although it's kind of, I mean, is it prophecy if it's God? I don't know. But anyway, he'll talk about what's coming in the future. Uh, John in Revelation, that's a lot of prophecy where mm-hmm. God has revealed things to him. And so when the Bible is talking about prophecy, when the New Testament is talking about prophecy, it can be referring to both of those things. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'll say is that when we talk when we talk about new revelation um Paul may have had both things in mind here but there does need to be a difference that we talk about between what we'll call you know biblical or scriptural revelation and then what we would also call like personal revelation of the holy spirit um and so we do believe um and this is actually something that kind of breaks down along denominational lines which is kind of funny but uh you know with 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 us we do believe that God is active today. Uh, mm-hmm. That the Holy Spirit is active. That the Holy Spirit prompts and leads, and that there can be words of knowledge that people get, um, as far as prophecy goes. However, we do need to treat those differently from Scripture. Um, and the basic reality of that is because because people can be wrong, <laughs> and, what? and you can and you can interpret things wrong. Where do you get off? I know. Um, but no, it, it is. It's an important distinction for sure. We've we've yeah. got a
1: yeah, we've got to hold. We've got to hold scripture higher than we hold people's voices. Yeah.
0: And I've had, I've had people come up to me where, um you know, and people, people I love and respect where they'll just, they'll come up and say like, Hey, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit is just prompting me to say this to you. um And it's, and it's incredibly life-giving. And it's like, wow, thank you so much for that. And I've also had times where like people do that and it's like, okay, like don't know where you got that from, but okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, but even in the ones where it's like thank you for that. Yeah. Even in the ones where it's um where it's life giving and great though, I I still you would never treat that the same way that you would treat scripture. Yeah. Um, and so that's yeah, that's just it's an important thing to keep in mind as as Pentecostals, um, yeah. <laughs> that we need to make sure that we don't treat um that kind of prophecy that we see today as all of a sudden being in addition on to scripture.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I found verse 22 for you it says this, thus tongues are assigned for not or sign not for believers, for, but for unbelievers while prophecy is assigned not for unbelievers, but for believers. Um, that's the context that he's talking. About. And that that's where he's talking about the gift of speaking in a or, or prophet, the prophetic gift, sorry, um, right. that exists through the, the powerment of the Holy spirit. Um, <clears throat> so that's what he's saying is when, when the utterance is given, uh, the audience is specific.
0: Yeah. And so and that's the thing where Paul's just saying, um um like I I think at the time and even today like you can see this in certain denominations where like tongues is kind of lifted up as like this is the a number one gift or whatever it is. And Paul's mm-hmm. saying like, well no, like for the church, like words of prophecy are are, are more important than yeah. words of tongues. Um but at the same time um, thinking back to like Pentecost, how miraculous was it when people started hearing the gospel proclaimed in their own languages when yeah. they all got gathered. Right. Um, and I remember hearing a story of um, this is uh, at the last church I was at, and it was, a, it was a pastor sharing a story, but they were in a, um, a life group and the person just like felt like just super pressing to like speak in tongues. And so he's like, okay, like this is weird, but I'm just going to go for it. Um, and he started proclaiming the gospel, I believe in Vietnamese, if that was the right language. Hmm. I don't remember. But like one of the ladies in the in the group started just crying because she was hearing um the gospel being proclaimed in her language. So you know there there are moments like that where it's it's this it's a miraculous thing that God kind of puts into place where it can it can be a real faith building for other people. Um so yeah, there you go. That's Absolutely. kind of that's kind of the idea there. Uh question two. While reading Exodus 29 and the lengths that Aaron and his sons had to go to to be ordained and then thinking through all of the laws of Moses and then all the intricate creations for the Ark of the Covenant and the Temple, do you think God intentionally made it all so insanely complicated that in comparison, following Jesus would be considered so simple and to the legalistic foolish? Okay. Okay. So it's a long-winded question, but I I brought in all of Exodus 29. I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, but just to kind of like go over some things. These are just requirements of what's going to happen with Aaron and his sons when they become ordained. Um, let's see here. We can go to, now this is what you shall do to consecrate them that they may serve as priests, take one bowl of the herd and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes, cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat and of fine flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket and bring the bowl and two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. You shall then take the garments and put Aaron... Uh, put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the of the ephod, and the ephod and the breastpiece and the gird. And gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. Then you shall set the turban on his head and put a holy crown upon the turban. You shall then take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them. The priesthood shall be theirs by statute forever. This you uh, Thus you shall ordain or Aaron and his sons. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands upon the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent. End of meeting and she'll take part. Like, basically, it just goes on. So like, I think there's like 40 verses of, um, like if I'm skipping to verse, uh, 39, it's still going. One lamb shall offer you in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at night. And when the first lamb and with the first lamb, a 10th measure of fine flour mingled with the fourth of a hin and beaten oil and a fourth of a hin of wine for a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight. Okay. So I'm done reading now. Um, but basically just to give you an idea, it's an insane chapter. It's, the whole chapter is just a step-by-step instruction of how the priests are supposed to be consecrated yeah um and so i i do think it's interesting i i tend to read that as um it's god making sure that his people understand that the priesthood is not something to be taken lightly um it's something that's incredibly important and so that's why you would have this very long ritual of consecrating a priest because this isn't just like well, I'm in the tribe of Levi. I guess I'll be a priest. Like, no, this is res- yeah. this is a responsibility that you have um, to the to the people of Israel, and this is not something that you should just take lightly or take advantage of.
1: Yeah, and, and unfortunately, I, we see that. Lately. And I also look at it though too, is that it's it's it is a very strong picture of what it requires to be to be part of God's priesthood, if you will, like. But and and the scripture even says in Peter, First Peter like you are a royal priest. talking to not just Levites, but he's talking to, to Christians. Like there, so for me as I'm looking at it and I read it like even as I read the Book of Leviticus, which is an incredibly dense book, we'll say it that way. Um, but it is this idea of holiness. Like this is. To be able to stand before God to do what God has called you to, it requires a certain level of holiness. You know, First Peter talks about that. That's what I was looking up whenever I was talking, so I didn't listen to half of what he was reading, and I knew he just continued reading on, so it worked. That's right. Um, but it really was this um, this picture of like in 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 your conduct, behave in a manner that represents. The one who called you, and the one who called you says, "I am holy; therefore, be holy." Uh, And so, there is this standard and expectation for all of us as Christians to to walk in holiness and to watch the way we conduct ourselves, to watch the way we live, to watch the way we talk, what we what we watch, what we, you know, even how much we eat. Like there's just some things that there are just different things that require you and I as followers of Christ to to be intentional and understand this, like the 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 process that Aaron had to go through. As a priest, as the mm-hmm. priest, the high priest, um, there's a certain level like it's almost ridiculous, and I think I love the way I love the way that you phrase it. Like, do you think it would be so insanely complicated to compare to Jesus? But at the same time, Jesus is the high priest. He's walked through every hoop, done every obligatory uh, standard and expectation as the Savior Redeemer. And so now we're invited into a relationship because of what Christ has done, but it still demands you and I walk in a certain level of holiness Mm -hmm. and how we interact, how we conduct ourselves and behave. Uh, And so there is a certain, like, I think it is a very stark picture of like, holy cow, like you, you lost me. take one bull of herd of the herd of two rams without blemish. Like in verse one, you've lost me. <laughs> um, because I know apart from Christ, I'm unable to, apart from the Holy Spirit, I work in my life, I'm unable to be holy. But it is this interesting picture of there is so much uh, that is required that we can't uphold. And I thank God that he was the high priest. So I just think right. there's a certain level of holiness that you and I have
0: to understand how we walk in, um, in response. And we can't do it on our own part, so. Yeah. But that that being said, I think it really does, um, it really does show the difference that, or even the struggle, we talked about this last week in, our, in the second half of Romans, but um, the struggle that Jewish Christians had, because mm-hmm. like, well, no, hold on. Like a priest is like, this is what you do to consecrate a priest. And now you're telling us that like, we're all part of the priesthood. Um, It's it's what one of those, heck? it's, it's a, such a huge culture shock. So even, I don't want to speculate on whether or not God intended it one way or the other, but it certainly had the effect of. Um, the salvation, the new covenant, I guess I'll say it that way, is so much less complicated than the old covenant. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Um, and that's
1: because Jesus has, a, has fulfilled the
0: old covenant. Right. All right. So finally, last question for today. Um, gentlemen, thank you. Thank you very much for that, sir. <laughs> a question. You're a very beloved. A question. Uh, Hebrews 1 5 quotes parts. Uh, part of 2 Samuel 7.14, I will be his father and he will be my son, indicating that this was meant to be about Jesus. What is confusing though is, is that the rest of 2 Samuel 7.14 says, when he does wrong, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the blow of the sons of men, suggesting that the author of Hebrews took it slightly out of context. Uh, the rest of the passage in Samuel really applies to Jesus. Never leave him, establish his throne, uh but given that Jesus never did wrong, this feels out of place. Can you explain to me how this fits? Okay, that's a great question. So uh to give you the passage that we're talking about here, it would be Hebrews uh one I have to look at what the thing was here. Hebrews one five says this. Uh, for which of the angels did God to did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels, uh, he makes his angels winds and the ministers of a flame of fire. But of God, he says, your throne O God is forever and ever the scepter of uprightness and the scepter of is the scepter of your kingdom. Okay, so that's what Hebrews is talking about and then the second Samuel passage there is um, in 2nd Samuel 7 and we'll start in verse 12. Um, sure forever before me your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all of these words and in accordance with this vision nathan spoke to david okay so this is really it's a really interesting thought so um first off i would i would say that this second second samuel passage is not referring to jesus it's probably referring to solomon um, and the key, the key giveaway there would be, uh, he shall build a house for my name, which is not something that Jesus did, but it's something clearly that Solomon did, right? Solomon's temple is kind of what's happening there. I don't know, if I, but that's not fully true. Jesus said,
1: tear down this temple in three days or rebuild it. Sure. So if we're talking like some of the illusion stuff, some of the um, the symbolism there, there could be some of that. So
0: Yeah, that's true. It could be, I think. I, I would say this passage is most likely referring specifically to the building of the temple.
1: And, that, and that's probably true. I just, when I'm reading it, so this is, this is my thought, which is why I jumped in. I'm sorry. I should have let you finish yours. Hey, all, all good. Um, but the, even, even that passage that doesn't seem like it fits, um, when he does wrong, I would discipline him with the rod of men and the, with the blows of sons of men. Um, Jesus didn't do wrong, but he became wrong. Jesus took on the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. And so there was a very distinct moment where, where God turned his face, so to speak, from Christ um, where Jesus, where he was rejected, which is why Jesus cried out on the cross, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? So there was a very distinct moment where Jesus may not have done wrong in his lifetime, but he did still, uh, take on the sin, which was therefore wrong. Um, and so for me, as I'm reading it, like, yeah, I'm, I, I probably tend to take more of the stance that it is probably more about Solomon. Um, but for me, I can still see, um, the the leading to christ and the representation of christ because i do think in that passage specifically um he technically restored or rebuilt the temple you know as he said tear down this temple which he was referring to his body i'll rebuild it in three days um the the wrong that he did was the sin of the world that he took on which actually was the right thing to do but so i I could see it kind of playing both ends so Mm -hmm. that's all i'm saying okay so
0: there's There's two different options right there for you. Let me disagree with you. Beloved, beloved listener. Beloved listener. Um, Beloved
1: question asker.
0: So so yeah, if you want, but if you're... So back to Evan's point, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. Yeah. So if you're thinking in terms of my interpretation, but wait, if it applies to Solomon, why is Hebrews um, talking about it? I would say that most likely Hebrews is actually quoting Psalm 2 um and psalm 2 says uh starting in verse 7 I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me you are my son today I have begotten you ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of your and the ends of the earth your possession you shall break break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel now therefore o kings be wise be warned o rulers of the earth serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Um. And so I would think that is what Hebrews is talking about. And that's kind of the the messianic pitch picture that's being yeah. put forward. So there you go. There's two options right there. Dude, I totally was waiting for you to say, if you take my interpretation, which is the right one, like, dude, hey, I, ain't, I, ain't, this is, we talked about open-handed, close-handed. This is very open-handed. Listen, you were saying just before this podcast, it was closed. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. So so there you go. There's two, there's two different options for you to, uh, to think through the lens of yeah, that. Great question. Verse.
1: I love the fact that you're reading and you're, you're trying to understand how it correlates to the Old Testament, different passages. So well done with that. Kudos Mm -hmm. for you. You get the gold star today. Great great question.
0: Good job, beloved listener. Beloved question. Uh, So anyway, with with that being said, uh, a little bit of a shorter episode this week, but we're going to wrap it up right there. Because Evan wants to go on vacation. It's true. Uh, He hasn't gone yet, but he's going. (laughs) But yeah, but when you're listening, I will have been returning. Anywho, uh, please please do us a favor, leave a five-star review. Uh, it just helps uh, get the podcast out there to more people and grow the community of, of listeners really just reading the Bible together. Um, and also, as a quick reminder, we are a podcast of The Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of The Grove Church. You can find all of our other podcasts and resources on our website at grove.church. Have a great week, Evan. Have a great vacation, but welcome back from vacation. Thank you, Aaron. That means a lot.